Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome in to the Hoisty Colors podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Igo, the publisher of hoistycolors.net, also the host of this podcast. As always, we are previewing East Carolina's next football game. And it is a big one. East Carolina heading on the road to take on the Memphis Tigers, both teams at 5-4 and four overall on the season. ECU at 3-2 and two in conference play, Memphis at 2-3 and three in conference play. It's been an interesting season for both teams. We'll get into that. Uh, intriguing matchup, especially with several playmakers on both offenses, namely Keaton Mitchell for East Carolina and Calvin Austin for Memphis, two of the more explosive players in the league playing on the field in one game with one player on either side and there's far more than those just uh, than just those two guys but we'll talk a lot about those guys uh, i got a lot of questions on the hoist of colors message board also on twitter to get to as we take you up to kick off recording this on thursday night around 10 p.m so a little late in the evening might not go too long but we'll see how long these questions keep me uh, as always many great questions but before we dive into the questions just wanted to share kind of my overall thoughts on this game. I think I think most people, if you would have told them preseason, hey, ECU is going to be 5-4 and four going into the final three games with a shot at a bowl, mostly everybody would have taken it. I mean, we're talking about a program that hasn't reached the five-win mark since the 2015 season when Ralph McNeil was fired. So every game from here on out is going to be crucial, big or win, Win or loss at Memphis, the Navy game will be big. And then obviously the Cincinnati game, we all know what that game will mean. But it starts this week, and this is an opportunity for East Carolina's football program to really kind of complete or or take another step in this turn that we've kind of talked about since Mike Houston took the job. Hey, how long is it going to take him to turn the program around? Well, I think pretty much everybody, whether you're a fan, you're involved with the program, you're uh, close to it, etc. I think pretty much everybody realizes that the turn is happening as we speak. You know, ECU has now beaten the teams it should beat this year, and they're beating them pretty handedly. Uh, look, look back at Temple, look back at South Florida. They allowed three combined points in uh, in, the, in the final six quarters of those two games, winning both of them in blowout fashion. They beat Tulane 52-29. to um, and they went on the road and beat a Marshall team, which is their best win of the year. Marshall now at six and three, but now we need to continue to see the program notch more marquee victories. You know, we saw them beat SMU, a really quality team to finish last year. But what did that game really mean for ECU in the grand scheme of things? You know, in terms of just what it meant for the season, probably not too much. You know, it did help give the guys confidence. I think heading into this year. So it was an important victory, but in terms of the season itself, it was just the difference between two and seven and three and six, which isn't really too much of a difference if you're not within and around the program. But now you're looking at this game at Memphis, you know, a chance to really continue to take that next step in the turn of this program. Obviously, the 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 clear and obvious goal was to get to six wins. And you do that by beating Memphis, and the pressure's off for the last two games in terms of bowl eligibility for the first time in seven years. But more so than that, a win at Memphis would represent getting over the hump and beating a quality conference team on the road. And ECU has been on the doorstep of that opportunity two times already this season. Probably should have won at UCF. Very well easily could have won at Houston. So you have those experiences now for East Carolina to draw off of as they go to take on a Memphis team that has been inconsistent this year. But if you look at their history, extremely explosive offensively and very good at home. I think they're 17-3 and in their last 20 games at home, and they've been very good at home this year. They've beaten Mississippi State, a quality SEC team. They beat a ranked SMU team last week. Their only loss at home came to UTSA. At the time, it didn't look like too good of a loss, but it turns out UTSA is pretty good. They're undefeated and in the top 15 nationally. Um, so Memphis is a different team in the Liberty Bowl. ECU is going to have to play at a very high level to win this football game. 
Um, if you go on the road and win this one, I don't think anybody can say that the the season Mike Houston and his staff and these players have put together is a fluke at that point. If you beat Memphis on the road, something not a lot of teams have done in recent memory, and you get that sixth win, regardless of what happens the last two weeks, that is an incredibly successful season. Um, in some ways, you can already say it's a successful season getting to five wins, but I think the, the quality of win this would be even if it is a down Memphis team compared to the last handful of years, it would be a, a huge win for this program. So another opportunity to not only clinch ball eligibility and, and take a step forward there, but continue to take a step forward in the evolution of this program, which is winning these tough conference games on the road. Um, I, I would dive into this matchup in terms of my take on it, but we got so many questions kind of asking me about specific players, matchups to watch, that sort of stuff, that I'm just going to let the questions carry the show, and I'll share some numbers, some analytics from Pro Football Focus, along with some stats as we dive into this one. Um, so let's go ahead and do that. Let's let's get into the questions. We'll start first on the Hoisty Colors message board, and someone wants to know um, how many points do we have to score to beat Memphis? You know, this is a great question. This was this is a, a topic we've discussed pretty much going into every game on the podcast this year. What realistically is needed to beat Memphis on his home field is an interesting question. The Tigers, if you're wondering, are averaging 31.8 points per game. They're giving up right under 30 points. They're giving up 29.1 points per game. Uh, in their losses this season to UTSA, they fell 31-28. At Temple, they fell 34-31. At Tulsa, they fell 35-29. And then at UCF, 24-7. So I kind of, you know, they didn't have their starting quarterback, Hennigan, Seth Hennigan, for the UCF game. So I kind of throw that one out the window. It was also on the road. More than likely, if you're East Carolina, you're going to have to score in the 30s, probably the mid-30s to high 30s to feel really comfortable. Um, I think this, no matter how good ECU's defense has been playing, and they've been playing very good, this Memphis offense on his home field, they're going to score some points. They're going to hit some plays. They're, they're just too good. I mean, their passing attack is at an extremely high level. They're coached by an offensive line coach by trade and Ryan Silverfield. So you know they're well coached up front. You know, even though they've struggled at running the football at times, which we'll get into, uh, that they're going to try to establish a run. But they've got absolute playmakers, and they, they, they run a really nice RPO scheme. So uh, it's going to be tough to, to, to quiet them down the way ECU's defense has quieted down Temple, South Florida, and Houston. Uh, but I think ECU's got to find a way into the 30s. You do that, you give yourself a shot uh, on the road in the Liberty Bowl. Um, moving on with our next question, Berg Pirate. As always, he's got multiple questions. He says, how much will we blitz Seth Hennigan is his first question. So here's a really interesting chess match if you're Blake Carroll because Seth Hennigan's a true freshman quarterback. You would think, hey, come after a true freshman quarterback all day. Why, why would you not? Uh, but, you know, you dive into the numbers, and again, these are pro football focuses numbers, and Seth Hennigan and Memphis have really eaten up the blitz this year when teams have come after them. In fact, Hennigan is grading out elite against the blitz, 88 uh, offensive grade on a scale of 0 to 100 in uh, 82 dropbacks against the Blitz. He's completed 67% of his passes for 863 yards, 8 touchdowns, and a pick against the Blitz. He's only he's only made one turnover-worthy throw under pressure per pro football focus against the Blitz. Uh, when he's not been Blitz, his numbers uh, are still solid. 66.2 offensive grade uh, but only a 59% completion percentage, 10 touchdowns, 4 picks, and 240 dropbacks. So a bigger sample size against uh, coverage more so than being blitzed. So what this tells me is that Hennigan in the Memphis offense has some pretty pretty uh, good hots built into it. And if he can identify the blitz and get the ball out to his playmakers like Calvin Austin, uh, the backs, uh, their tight end, Sean Dykes, and you get those guys in one-on-one coverage, if you don't get home on the blitz and they hit something, you're you're in trouble. So because those guys are so dynamic, so you have to be careful. And this will be one of the chess matches I watch the most this year or this weekend is how how aggressive is Blake Carroll? Does he pick a spot to send the blitz? Does he play it normal and blitz 
50, 60% of the time like uh, ECU normally does in these types of games in conference play. You know, that's something I'm very intrigued by. Um, and also, Seth Hennigan, we, we've got some questions on his health. He's been dealing with a shoulder injury. He took some hits against SMU. And so you want to try to, if possible, hit him. I mean, obviously the ideal situation is you rush four, you get pressure that way. But the way ECU's defense is constructed right now, it's personnel. You're just not going to consistently get home with four. Memphis has a, a pretty good offensive line. You're not going to be able to beat those guys with four. So that is going to be one of the chess matches going into Saturday's game. How much does ECU blitz? And you know, looking at the numbers, it would suggest not to blitz a whole lot. Uh, number two from Bird Pirate, how much or how does Memphis's pass rush compare to other teams we have faced? You know, their their pass rush, I would say, is average to slightly above average. I mean, it's nothing special. Um, they've generated 19 sacks, according to Pro Football Focus, in nine games. So, I mean, that's a you're looking at about two sacks a game, which is an okay number, a, a decent number of pressures. You know, their pass rush grade, they only have two guys rated over 75, which is probably above average. Uh, and one of those is just because he came on a corner blitz and got a sack that way. So um, their front is, is pretty good. It's not going to blow you away, though. So I would say it's it's middle of the pack in the American. ECU's offensive line should be able to hold us on in this game. Um, but they got some dudes up front. They got some guys who are long and looked apart. It's just they've been kind of hit or miss, much like the entire Memphis team. But I would say middle of the pack. Uh, number three from Berg Pirate, how many points do you think we need to score to beat Memphis? High 30s. Yeah, we just touched on that. Um, I would say you got to get into the 30s to give yourself a shot. High 30s to feel good about it. All right, Pirate 2021, any weak points as far as position groups on either side of the ball for Memphis will we be looking to take advantage of? Um, you know, the, Memphis has really had a problem on special teams, specifically kicking the ball. They have really struggled in the kicking game, and that's why they've gone for it on fourth down so much recently. I, I want to say I heard a stat where they have not they have not made a field goal in a game uh, since I think it was the uh, the Temple game, which is which was five games ago. All right, so I have the stats now in front of me. Since then, Memphis is 0 of 5 on field goals. They did not even attempt a field goal against Navy or UCF. Uh, they have one kicker, David Kemp, who's a pretty highly rated high school kid, but he went 0 of 2, has not attempted a kick since. And then Joe Doyle, who's their punter, has been attempting the kicks recently. He is only 7 of 12 on the year zero makes beyond 40 yards he had actually he has made a 51 yarder but he's 0 for 1 40 to 49 yarder so he's got a big leg accuracy is an issue in the smu game he missed from 28 and 37 which are makeable kicks so they struggle in the kicking game it's far from uh they're there's 50 percent as a team on field goal attempts this year and then on uh, i'm trying to find the pat numbers here in front of me let's see Sorry, guys, I'm doing this live. I can't find those quite yet. If I do, I'll let you know. But I know they've missed some PATs as well. Uh, yeah, they missed three point after touchdowns. So, I mean, that is a concern if you're Memphis, and that's a, a place that that ECU could take advantage of. Um, they've had one kick blocked from the, uh, the leg of Doyle, so that's an issue that plays in ECU's favor, potentially heading into Saturday. Uh, their third down defense and their fourth or their third down defense is not good. They're allowing teams to convert 42% on third down, and they're allowing teams to convert 63% on fourth down. So they've struggled to get off the field at times. Um, you know, their rushing defense, interestingly enough, has, has either been really good or really bad. You know, in the games they've lost, they have struggled to stop the run. In the games they've won, they've done really well against the run. Uh, it's been interesting. You know, the passing game, uh, they rank 98th in pass efficiency defense. So, I mean, they are definitely susceptible on the defensive side of the ball to giving up some plays. And then offensively, um, their passing game is definitely their strength. Their quarterbacks had five 300-yard passing games, but their running game uh, has been hit or miss. They are averaging 4.2 yards per carry and 152.8 yards on the ground per game. But a lot of that was racked up early in the season against some weaker competition. They had 322 yards rushing against Nichols and 263 yards rushing against a one-win Arkansas State team. 
Here are the rushing totals for Memphis since that game. 87, 78, 157, 151, 277, and 40. So they have struggled to run the ball consistently. Listening to Ryan Silverfield's comments this week in the press conference, you know, again, offensive line coach, they're going to want to get back to running the ball. I think if ECU can stop the run at a pretty high level and make them one-dimensional with the Pirates' pass defense, that can be a favorable matchup. If they can't stop the run and Memphis is able to uh, do a lot on the ground, then I'm really worried because then you have to commit more to the run game, and that's when you're susceptible to stuff in the passing game. But there are some weaknesses on Memphis's side. There's no doubt about it. And so that is uh, that's an area that ECU should be able to – or those are some areas ECU should be able to take advantage of heading into Saturday. All right, RB Pirate 5, he says, how has the focus at practice been this week? Seems like we've been locked in the past couple and have resulted well during the game. You know, just being around practice Wednesday, typically I go Wednesday in season, uh, the, the focus level was was very good. Um, I didn't notice anything out of the ordinary. I thought that the guys seemed locked in. Coach Houston seemed locked in, addressing them pre-practice. I mean, we don't get to see the full practice, but – we get to see, uh, you know, the first 30 minutes or so, and they seem, you know, extremely locked in. And just from talking with people around the program, I think there is a, an aura of confidence right now around this team. I don't think it's like a a cockiness. I think it's more of a confidence that has led to better preparation. They see the results paying off as a result of the way they've prepared. So um, I think they're in a good spot right now, and we'll find out Saturday how good a spot they're in. All right, ECU grad 04, he's got a series of questions. Again, uh, really intelligent individual ECU grad is, and so he's got some great questions, and I'll give my take on them as best I can. Again, some of this stuff is more either opinionated or just uh, information that's hard to come by. But uh, here we go. ECU grad 04, number one, he says, with media rumors that Memphis is next on the Big 12 expansion list, Besides the obvious difference between basketball programs, how does ECU overall compare in your opinion, and what do you think matters to Big 12 for future expansion? Memphis is an R2 research university like ECU, so what does that mean? If anything, would UCF, who is rumored to have pushed for ECU to get on the Big East AAC in 2014, push for ECU in future expansion as a travel partner and recruiter in North Carolina? Um, yeah, I mean, as far as UCF pushing for ECU, I don't know. I mean, it's a totally different administration now there uh, as opposed to the previous expansion, and there hasn't really been any concrete reports one way or the other there. So, I mean, I would just be speculating if I answered that. I would think UCF would want a regional travel partner, and even though Orlando and Greenville aren't side-by-side, side, they're at least in the same realm. They're on the East Coast, so uh, that could be a factor. But again, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. Um, you know, as far as what the Big Twelve is looking for in expansion, I mean, I think for sure, obviously, the most important thing is consistent athletic success is the main thing, and that's why you've seen UCF and Cincinnati kind of at the peak of their run in the American get the call. Houston, in terms of geography, obviously, in their past success along with their current basketball success. They kind of fit that footprint. And with losing uh, Texas and Oklahoma, it makes sense for them to go there. So you got geography, you got success, you got academics, because the presidents play a bigger role in uh, expansion than most realize. And, you know, as far as ECU and Memphis being an R2 research university versus an R1, the the reality is it does hurt. Uh, I think UCF is an R1. Um, I'm not sure about UCF. I think Cincinnati is an R1. And so, obviously, if you have that R1 designation, that's a much higher uh, academic profile designation on the surface. So, um, I I think that does play a role. And I think that might be a reason why Memphis has been overlooked some, even with their basketball success. And they finally have started to invest in football this last decade or so, and it's paid off. And uh, they're in a prime prime, uh, location in terms of a pretty big market, uh, recruiting hotbed for basketball. So, I mean, you know, if you just stack the two programs beside each other, I would think Memphis makes more sense to the Big 12 right now than ECU. But how you fix that if you're ECU, you know, to me, we've talked about this before, the only way ECU gets over that hump and starts to get some consideration is if they win consistently and become the Boise State or whatever of the East Coast. I mean, you're just not in a big market. 
you got so many disadvantages against you. The only way to overcome that is to win and win at a high level and then also make the basketball program relevant. Basketball program doesn't have to be phenomenal, but at least has to be relevant, and then you got to be great at football uh, to overcome the disadvantages ECU has. Uh, number two from ECU grad, he says, Why is the game at 11 a.m. Central versus 12 p.m. Central? Does that indicate ECU has a bigger TV slash ESPN plus following or just East Coast population bias slash numbers? Uh, nothing, I don't think it has nothing, anything to do with ECU. I think it's, from what I understand, when a game is on ESPN plus, it is the universities and athletic departments call the home game as far as when the kickoff time is. So for whatever reason, Memphis decided to do the 12 noon Eastern slot. And I think it's just because there is, uh, there's no games that kick off at one o'clock on the entire college football slate. So I guess you almost have to either pick that 12 noon slot, the three o'clock slot, the six o'clock slot, or uh, or later than that, I, you know, I just don't think 1 p.m. is a, maybe a start time that's allowed for whatever reason. So, but I don't think it has anything to do with uh, with with ECU being a bigger following or anything like that. Uh, number three, Memphis was reported last year to be contracting with a local television station to produce their ESPN Plus broadcast. Why and has that continued this year? ECU, ESPN, I'll just say I don't know. I don't know anything about um, Memphis's ESPN Plus broadcast situation. Um, he, he has ECU, ESPN Plus broadcast seem to have a higher level or seem to be at a higher level than UCF's ESPN Plus broadcast. So I'm curious on your opinion of why Memphis contracted this operation and any reflection on the decision of ECU to use non-ESPN announcers for ES, ECU basketball games on ESPN Plus broadcast. All right, so the ESPN Plus broadcasts, when it's a football game, ESPN is in charge of doing the ESPN Plus broadcast. It's only when, per the AAC contract. So when ECU hosts an ESPN Plus football game, that production is done by ECU. Or, excuse me, that production is done by ESPN. When Memphis hosts an ESPN Plus football game, that production is done by ESPN. In basketball, the school does the production. In baseball or any other sport, the school, from my understanding, does the production. Um, and does uh, definitely hires the announcers in charge of all that stuff. So um, it's a football deal. If it's football, the ESPN is in charge of it. Any other sport, I believe, is uh, is done by uh by the school itself I, men's basketball might be the only one that espn chips in on but i think that's only if it's if it's espn u espn two that sort of deal so um yeah so that memphis would be contracting for those types of games not football and um as for why ecu's is done better it's probably because they spent a million dollars or so on that production room and have hired people to do it that know what they're doing uh, anything you feel noteworthy related to ECU athletics on the Friday Board of Trustees meeting agenda is what ECU grad asked. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, honestly, man, I don't know. They don't share the uh, the agenda with us. I mean, they do go over some of the the stuff publicly in a release, but I have not had a chance to look at. It. I've been pretty busy this week, and so I, I don't know of anything super noteworthy going into that board of trustees meeting usually i would listen in but i'm actually gonna be traveling all friday to memphis so uh if i hear anything i'll let you guys know on the boards all right next set of questions uh, we go to pirate 1023 he says in yesterday's interview coach seemed confident in the mindset of the team going into this game he seems to have a quiet confidence that wasn't there earlier in the season we tend to play well when coaches are happy with the week of practice have you third have you heard anything regarding how practice went this week how do we match up on both lines of scrimmage? Um, well, I'll, I'll tackle the first one first. Uh, yeah, so from what I've heard, practice has gone really well. Um, I'm not going to say it's the best week of practice of the season or anything because I don't know, but just talking with the coaches, uh, talking with people around the program, the practice has gone well, and I think that does give the team uh, confidence going into the game. I think it gives the coaches to have confidence going into the game. I mean, the way they're playing, they should be confident. So, 
again, you know, there's been weeks of practice where they practice well, where they don't play well. But more times than not, when you practice well, you play well. And by all indications, ECU has practiced at a pretty high level this week. Um, you know, I didn't see anything sloppy on Wednesday, and I and I heard at Wednesday's practice that Tuesday went really well. So uh, we, we're hearing good things. Now we'll find out on Saturday. You know, maybe Memphis has had an incredible week of practice, and it won't matter how good ECU practices. Uh, we'll just we'll find out Saturday. Uh, he also says, how do we match up on both lines of scrimmage? Any other matchups where either team has a clear edge? Um, you know, as far as the line of scrimmage, I think I think this is a pretty even matchup. You know, I would say Memphis's offensive line is probably slightly better than ECU's offensive line, but I feel like ECU's defensive front and just kind of the multiplicity of it is probably better than Memphis's. And Memphis has some players up front, but it's just I think ECU's scheme is better, and so I think ECU gets more out of its, its personnel on the defensive side than maybe Memphis does. Um, but I don't see a clear advantage on either front, and so I feel like it more or less will come down to execution in that regard. I think Memphis is pretty strong at linebacker. they got some safeties and some DBs who can really run. They play a lot of three safety looks. Um, you know, the, the one area that concerns you for ECU is Memphis's their pass catchers and their ability to get those guys out in space. And a lot of it, to me, depends on Jaquan McMillan's health. If Jaquan McMillan is, is fully healthy, and I don't know if he will be or not, uh, you can almost kind of count on one side of the field being pretty shut down, and it allows you to do so much defensively when you can leave McMillan and Fleming in man coverage in a lot of cases. If McMillan's not healthy, then all of a sudden you kind of have to, sh- to, to to watch out in terms of, hey, do we really want to put this guy on an island all by himself without help if his ankle's not 100% or whatnot? So uh, that's something I'll be keeping close eye on pregame. I feel like if McMillan's healthy, if ECU's is fully healthy uh, or pretty healthy on the back end, I think this is a pretty good matchup for them. But we know Jawan Powell and, so, and DJ Ford missed last game at safety. And we know McMillan's banged up, and so there are some question marks there on the, the back end. Um, all right, next uh, next question from St. Pete Pirate. He says, will Keaton Mitchell hit 1,000 yards rushing on the season in this game, making him the first since Ventavious Cooper hit 1193 in 2013? Let's also remember Coop had 13 games, including the bowl game that year, to hit the mark. You know, I'm going to say... I'm going to say Mitchell hits it. I'm going to say Mitchell hits 1,000 this game. I think he goes over 100 yards. So, yeah, I'm going to say yes. Uh, St. Pete also asks if he keeps going, do you think he overtakes that 1,193-yard mark sometime this season? Um, I'm going to say... I want to say no on that. I think he gets around 1,100. I don't think he gets close to 2,000. I think Cincinnati's going to pose a challenge in terms of running the football. I know they've been giving up some rushing yards lately, but that's still a tough, tough matchup. Um, and then he says, does then does he make it to 14-23 set by CJ2K in 07? Um, well, I guess if you count the 13 games, I think Mitchell gets to – 1193. So I'm gonna say ECU makes a bowl game, and actually he does surpass that mark. Uh, I do not think he will get to 1423. I mean that's a lot of yards. All right, Pirate Backer. Uh, he says, where are we better in regards to matchups versus Memphis State? We kind of talked about that. I, I think, you know, I, I like I like ECU's running game in this game. I think I think you know we've talked a lot about how ECU's defense matches up. I, I think. And, you know, if they're able to play some coverage and mix up things against Hennigan, I noticed versus SMU he struggled at times to identify a blitz versus coverage, and he threw it kind of right into some tough situations. So um, I think if ECU can mix it up defensively, they can they can potentially force some turnovers. Um, when ECU's offense is on the field, I think they're, they, they should be able to run the ball at least at a decent level this game. The good teams Memphis has faced, the good rushing attacks, have been able to run the ball. Um, you know, their secondary is pretty good, and so I do worry a little bit about ECU consistently moving the football through the air. But again, their pass efficiency defense has been inconsistent. Teams have attacked them over the middle uh, a decent amount. Um, 
And so there are some matchups to be had there. And then we talked about special teams. The problem is Memphis has a very dynamic returner in Calvin Austin. So as as, as bad as they are in some respects in the kicking game, they're they're pretty good elsewhere on special teams. Um, let's see. All right. Next question. Sheck uh, Daddy? I think that's the pronunciation. Are there any players that we have not seen yet that you expected to get some game action this season prior to the start of the season? Uh, great question. Um, man, I'm just going off the top of my head here because I don't have the, the roster pulled up in front of me. You know, I thought Tyree Saunders, the Virginia Tech transfer, when he committed would be a guy that would at least get some snaps, but it's it's clear he's not quite ready yet. Um They've played so many guys, it's kind of hard to say. You know, the, the other guy I would say is Kareem Stinson. I thought at defensive end, they really needed somebody who kind of had that quick twitch explosiveness off the edge, and I feel like Stinson could have brought that. He played a lot. I won't say a lot, but he played a decent amount as a freshman last year. thought he would take a next step. He did not, or he has not. He has not really played to this point. So uh, those are the two guys that jump out. You know, Travion Freshwater – I think I was more hopeful than expecting him to play. He has not played any type of role this year. And, um, you know, outside of that, nobody really comes to mind. I mean, I think it's been pretty pretty much as expected across the board otherwise. I guess at some point I did maybe expect to see more of a timeshare with Luke Larson at punter, but John Young's been so good it just hasn't been necessary. All right, next question from ECU Pirates Backwards. He says, nine games in, who is the MVP of the ECU football team? Uh, I'm going to say Keith Mitchell and Jaquan McMillan, I feel like, are are 1A and 1B. Um, you know, I'll, I'll go Keith Mitchell, but I, uh, you can make a clear argument for either one. But Keith Mitchell's big playability has has saved ECU in a lot of games. Not that Jaquan McMillan's coverage ability hasn't, but I'm going to go with Keaton Mitchell there. Uh, he also says, real quick, yes or no basketball question, did Brandon Johnson pass the eye test? Absolutely. Brandon Johnson, you know, who is probably the least heralded player of this recruiting class, I thought he absolutely passed the eye test because he's got bounce, he's quick, you know, he's not overly big or strong, but he's athletic, and I think he's got the goods to play in this league. So, yeah, he definitely passed the eye test, and I think he can be a real steal for this recruiting class. Um, last question on the message board, and then we'll hop to Twitter. Yakin says, any players you think could uh, step up big this week? So, you know, we've talked a lot about the, the defense, the status of McMillan. Um, you know, I'm going to go with the other corners and the other some some of the other DBs. I think this is a – a big week for Malik Fleming and also Nolan Johnson. Uh, you know, I, even if McMillan can go, I doubt he will play the entire game. So I would expect Nolan Johnson to get some run, and, and he hasn't played as much this year as last year, but this is a big game for Nolan if he plays because Memphis has a ton of talent. I think he's a good matchup for their bigger receivers. Um, who matches up with Sean Dykes? Is that a safety? You know, do, do one of the linebackers get that call? You know, really athletic tight end on Memphis' side that, that's not an easy cover. Um, so those guys are going to have to step up. And we're talking so much about Keith Mitchell, but I feel like this could be a Rajay Harris game. I, I feel like this could be a, you know, a game in somewhat colder conditions, even though it looks like a pretty nice day. But you're getting that time of the year where this should be Rajay Harris time where who's going to want to tackle a 225-pound back in November? Uh, I surely don't, and I doubt teams, if they're if teams are running the ball at ECU, or ECU's run the ball at teams, and I think those teams aren't going to want to tackle a guy like Rajay. So uh, I'll go with those guys. And it feels like it's been a, a bit since we, we've seen a true Tyler Sneed game. And watching Memphis, some of their highlights, they do play a decent amount of zone coverage. And um, this could be a Tyler Sneed game. But uh, with this offense, it's kind of hard to pinpoint week to week whose game is it going to be. You know, we saw Ryan Jones. We've seen an audio Matosho game. We've seen C.J. Johnson come to the uh, the forefront at times. Shane Calhoun. So, you know, just when you think you might see somebody on ECU's offense step up, it ends up being someone else. And that's a good thing. It makes it tough for teams to prepare. So, uh, But I think, you know, it's cliche to say, but I really think everybody's going to have to play well on Saturday for ECU to win. All right, let's dive into the Twitter questions. Before we do that, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back on the Hoist of Colors podcast. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we're back on the Hoist of Colors podcast. Let's hop to Twitter real quick. Bryce says on Twitter, remember when we always used to automatically count Memphis State as they win? I remember. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of teams in this league that EC used to always count as a win back in the 90s and 2000s at times when the program was rolling and a lot of these programs that they're playing now had not invested in football like they have now. Memphis is a program that has finally invested and it's paid off. Houston's another one. Cincinnati's another one. Uh, Cincinnati for sure. ECU used to dominate Cincinnati. Tulane. Temple. You know, obviously Temple was not a conference USA foe, but they played um, ECU a lot back in the day. Tulane, ECU used to own Tulane. Tulane did not win in Greenville until 2017. And so a lot of these programs, when ECU took a downturn, they invested in football more. So it's just become a much different animal than it used to be. But hopefully the Pirates can uh, recreate that success. They're 15-8 and all-time against Memphis, even with the last two losses to the Tigers in the American. Uh, Matthew says, wondering the health status of Memphis quarterback Sean or Seth Hennigan, thanks. Um, you know, as far as I know, he is good to go. Uh, he missed the UCF game with a shoulder injury. He missed the end of the Navy game with that injury. But he came back against SMU and looked good. He threw for 300-plus yards for the fifth time this year. You know, reading their message boards, it did sound like he was a little – did show a little shoulder fatigue towards the end of that game. But I, I don't think it's anything to where he can't go out and play this week. So I expect to see him – if he can't go or he gets banged up, then you'll see Peter Parrish, the LSU transfer. He'll get some run. But uh, you're likely going to see Hennigan. He's a very, very talented quarterback. Knows where to go with the football. Good decision maker for a young guy. Uh, Steven asks, is their quarterback at 100%? Where do they rank in the defensive categories? We kind of touched on that stuff earlier. But, yeah, I don't know if their quarterback's 100%. I do know he's effective enough to go out there and get the job done at a high level based off what we saw uh, last week. Uh, defensively, they rank around the middle of the pack in a lot of categories, uh, but you know, 98th in pass efficiency defense. Uh, run defense, again, their numbers are pretty good overall. 146.6 yards given up, 3.7 yards per carry, but teams have run the ball successfully on them that have beat them. Um, and so there was a string of five games, I think, where teams – Surpassed well over the hundred yard mark in uh, in in running game in in the running game to defeat them um, or to give them really good games. So that that's a situation uh, as I pull it up now. Um, so yeah, here we go. Opponent statistics earlier in the year, teams were struggling to run the ball. Nichols had a hundred yards rushing. Arkansas State only ninety eight, and Mississippi State, which is a passing team, had fifty. But then UTSA had 205, Temple had 157, both those games were losses for Memphis. Tulsa had 235, that was a loss. Navy had 198, that's a triple option, so a little bit different deal. And then UCF, which which defeated Memphis, ran for 215. So five games in a row with 157 rushing yards or more, 
But then they bounced back this past week against SMU, only gave up 61 yards on 29 carries. So uh, they've been very hit or miss on the ground. Uh, again, their third down, fourth down percentage defensively is not good, so they do have trouble getting off the field. That's due to inconsistent coverage and inconsistent pass rush. Um, our next question, Duncan asks, how concerned are we about the matchup between McMillan and Memphis' star receiver? Uh, I, I'm concerned that with McMillan likely not being 100%, I don't think ECU's secondary is going to be obviously as shut down as maybe it has been. Maybe he'll go out there Saturday and and play lights out still. But, I mean, if you don't have your top guy quite 100%, that makes a difference. Again, we'll see how he looks on game day. Uh, but Calvin Austin's a beast, man. And he, you know, he, he whether he's going against McMillan or somebody else, he's the type of guy that can just catch a screen pass or catch a little slant, make one guy miss, and go 80 yards to the house. So, you know, Blake Carroll talked about it on Wednesday, but you have to do such a good job of gang tackling him or, or running to the football against him because he, he's going to make guys miss. And once he does, you have to be there to clean it up. So, um, but, it, yeah, that concerns me. I mean, Sean Dykes concerns me. Eddie Lewis, all these big uh, – I think it's Ivory, another big receiver. I mean, they got some absolute dudes on the perimeter offensively. And so, yeah, that concerns me. But, you know, the strength of ECU's defense this year has been perimeter coverage. They rank, according to Pro Football Focus, in the top 20 nationally, I want to say, in coverage. Uh, a lot of their passing yards given up have been over the middle. Uh, either on the RPO stuff or just against the linebackers, against the safeties. So, uh, so yeah, I think it's it, it's a better matchup than a team who's just really good at running the football, in my opinion. Uh, Rohan with uh, a question. He says, how does Memphis's talent compare on film to other teams ECU has played this year? You know, I think Memphis – Overall, is uh, is still one of the more talented teams in this league, especially at the skill positions, at the stand-up spots. Um, running back-wise, they got some some really talented players. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about their receivers, but you know, Rodriguez Clark is their highest-graded offensive player per Pro Football Focus, and he's not even their starter. Um, and so, they got some guys who are really good. And Brandon Thomas, their other running back, really highly rated. So Clark, Calvin Austin, Brandon Thomas are their, are their three highest-rated players per pro football focus. Uh, their guard, Dylan Parham, is their highest-rated offensive lineman, and then Seth Hennigan up there as well. So offensively, they're as talented, I'll say, as anybody in the league, especially at the skill positions at the quarterback spot. Um, they're really good. Defensively, uh, they're, they're talented. I, I would not. I, I would say they're probably middle of the pack defensively in the league in terms of talent. And um, but they always have speed. Memphis always has speed, especially over the past decade or so. And I don't think this will be any different. So they're one of the more talented teams. You put it all together, they're one of the more talented teams in the league. And they they fit their field well. Uh, as weird as that is to say, it's a turf field at the Liberty Bowl. Speed plays on turf, so it's a tough matchup. And they can hit some big plays at home. And uh, they they have explosive ability. There's no doubt on offense. They're as explosive offensively as anybody ECU has faced. Uh, John asked, how late will you be out at Silky O'Sullivan Saturday night? And I'm going to say not very late at all, John, because I have a 5 a.m. flight on Sunday. I'm talking to you guys at 10.30 p.m. on Thursday right now. And I fly out of Greenville late Friday around 6 o'clock. And so I won't get to Memphis until late friday i'll turn around cover the game saturday i might grab dinner someplace and then i'm going straight to sleep and coming home so i would love to be able to explore bill street and explore silkies and explore other places in memphis but it's probably not going to happen i might catch a drink at a bar somewhere on saturday especially if the pirates win um but i'm going to hit the bed as soon as possible because i got to be up at about 3 a.m on sunday morning so it's going to be a short stay in memphis and a long weekend so um yeah maybe uh maybe i'll get to go back in the coming years since memphis is not as of right now leaving the american uh our final question comes from rich he says why do you believe memphis is so inconsistent and what can we exploit and uh shout out to jay 
for bringing up a tremendous stat here. And this is something I meant to bring up earlier when talking about their weaknesses. Uh, Memphis has a, a, not really a turnover issue, but Memphis has a turnover margin issue. Uh, they have actually turned the ball over less times than ECU this year. ECU has turned it over 18 times offensively. Memphis has only turned it over 16 times. But the Tigers have not forced many turnovers at all. They've only forced seven turnovers on defense. And so that's a negative nine turnover margin. ECU, meanwhile, has a even turnover margin with 18 uh, takeaways and 18 giveaways. So ECU's been a little turnover prone offensively, but they create a lot of havoc and a lot of turnovers defensively. Uh, Memphis won the turnover battle against SMU, therefore won the game. I think winning the turnover battle in this one, specifically continuing to protect the football. I mean, Memphis has only gotten seven turnovers defensively in nine games. So they lack playmaking ability at times defensively. So the Pirates can't go out there and give them a lot of free chances. Uh, if they do that and they find a way to win the turnover battle, even if it's only 1-0 one to, one to zero or 2-0 two to zero or 2-1, to one, whatever it may be, that's a big advantage because I feel like this is a pretty evenly matched game, but it is on Memphis's home field. Um, and so I think Memphis's inconsistencies have been, A, they're not a good road team. Uh, they do have a lot of youth in some respects, and so you've seen that kind of play into their road record, and B, they've had some turnover issues. Uh, as Jay points out. So, um, yeah, so Rich, Jay kind of answered your question there. I expanded on it, and so they have been inconsistent. They also have a freshman quarterback. They've had they've had a lot of injuries, too, uh, on both sides of the ball, but definitely defensively, although it sounds like they're pretty, pretty fairly healthy this time of year for it being this time of year going into this game. All right, so those are your questions for the podcast, and I'm going to give my prediction to get out of here uh, heading into Friday so I can get some rest. Um, this is one again. I've gone back and forth all week on, and I I have a feeling ECU is going to win this football game, but I just don't know if I can pick it because so often when I'm picking games, I go off my first gut instinct, and my first gut instinct for this game was that Memphis is going to find a way to win at home because they're so good at home and they still have a lot of talent offensively and I feel like they're going to score some points and I worry about ECU keeping pace on the road where they have been inconsistent offensively um so I expect another close game I think this one comes down to the fourth quarter and as much as I hate to do it I'm going to go Memphis 34 ECU 28 Uh, I think the Pirates cover obviously the original eight point spread and I think they're right there in the end have a chance to win it and if they make the plays they're coming home with their sixth victory but they got to get over that last hump beating a quality conference team on the road doing that helping to complete the turn of the program under Mike Houston certainly a possibility I do I do think this is a matchup that favors ECU in some respects if this game was in Greenville I would pick the Pirates to win comfortably by a touchdown and I would feel really good about it but going on the road to Liberty Bowl, it's not an easy spot. Although I do like ECU catching them for an early local kickoff and in between games against SMU and Houston. I mean, that's a pretty good spot for ECU to be in going into this game. Um, but it won't be easy. Two really good teams, I feel like. Two really interesting teams that have a lot of talent. And uh, I'm going with Memphis, but I could easily see ECU winning this football game. And hopefully they do to bring home win number six all right that'll do it for the podcast guys thanks as always for the questions you guys carry the show i'm just here at the jabber and banter uh, again i would like to get more guests on the podcast but with my son being uh three and a half months his schedule's all over the place so it's hard to nail down when to get guests so i will get more consistent guests on at some point um until then you know we're just going to keep talking and keep having a ball and uh, answering your questions and uh, get a lot of good feedback on the podcast even when we do it in this manner I think a lot of people enjoy kind of the the more in-depth insight look at games more so than hey we can get up here and BS and have a lot of fun and pass the time that way which is fine that's just and that can be our style at times but in season we stay pretty 
pretty game-oriented, pretty preview-oriented, dive into it pretty deep. And so we'll continue to have more coverage leading up to kickoff, and we'll be back with you after the game, probably looking at a podcast, post-game podcast sometime Monday, since I'll be dead tired on Sunday upon arrival back in Greenville. But appreciate it, guys, and we'll talk to you after the game. As always, thanks for listening and uh, for chiming in. this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can conquer it i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road any road the steeper the better because my all-new santa fe is available with h-track all-wheel drive so i can hit the trail without a worry in the world Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.